Welcome back. Our guest for this episode is artist and photographer Maylin Legoff. She was born in France and raised in Singapore before moving to New York. We talked about identity and pussy power. Okay, so hi, May. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us on our show. So Pleasure pleased to be to here. You. Yep. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll jump right in. Can you tell us about yourself and what you do? So I am a visual artist. Um, I work primarily in um, photography as well as collage. Um, my work is very colorful. Um, some people would say that it has um, essences of pop, pop art. Um, and it's mostly kind of based in this sort of surreal um, realm where I, through the, through the collaging, um, I play with 2D as well as 3D elements. Um, yes, so that's my work. And um, I guess like though we would say that, um, I would say that fashion imagery has a large influence in my work as well, um, but the work isn't necessarily um, fashion. Um, yeah, I love how vibrant, how vibrant your collage work is and how you portray the female experience. Can you talk about that? I can. Um, I think definitely the work is um, very feminine when mm-hmm. you take a look at it. Um, it's, it's delicate um, and I guess it's a lot to do with celebrating um, being a woman and sort of going into that kind of psyche, but without the over-sexualization of women. Mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, I think from a pretty young age um, or as a young artist, um, I think I, I really, that was already very apparent to me about like the idea of like the male gaze. Um, and. As a result, I think a, a lot of my work kind of goes against that grain, and I just want to like portray women um, in a way that's like very in, in in reverence to women and celebratory. Yeah. Um, there are three of your images I was really drawn to because there's more. There's so much more going on, mm-hmm. and one of them is like uh, a young girl, but you don't see her face, just her torso sitting down. Yeah. And then she's like pulling out a tampon. From yeah. her <laughs> that um, that image is kind of from a series of images that I was making. Actually, that's gonna eventually become a book. Um, it's still an ongoing project, um, and um, it's basically sort of the idea of of that image and like the the images within that domain were very much like exploring these notions of like taboo in some ways, and I think, you know, especially of women, I mean, for us, like, you know, uh, periods and, you know, menstrual blood are kind of like a monthly affair, so it's really, like, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, obviously to uh, to the other gender, <laughs> um, it's something that might be considered pretty foreign and um, taboo in that sense. So I, I wanted to sort of just um, make an image that, was very much like in your face about that. Definitely trying to push a little bit more of just like, you know, this this happens. This is this is normal. This is natural, and this is female. Right. You know, so, you know, what you gonna do about it? <laughs> <laughs> um, did you? I don't know if you ever displayed that other than your website, but mm-hmm. has anyone 
good or bad made any comments on it? Um, I've put it up on, you know, the social media, and mm -hmm. I think there, there have been a range of um, sort of responses to it. Um, you know, the, the expected, like, oh, gross, you know, um, and then to like, ooh, you know, some people actually find it quite sexy. Um, I don't know if it's because they have a blood fetish or, <laughs> you know, they can see her underwear, you know, and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I think it's definitely quite polarizing in that sense. Um, and you know, for, for some women, it's like, oh yeah, fuck yeah. You know, like it happens. <laughs> I just also reminds you of when you're like young, like a young kid getting your period. It's like... for the first time. I remember I was, I was 13 and I was in France, um, visiting my dad's side of the family and I was in my room and I was getting called down to, to dinner. And right before that, I like, there was this like, strange like wetness between my legs and I was like what's going on you know and then obviously I checked and I was like oh my god I got my period and the funny thing is I think it was on June uh, 5th or something or June 6th and when I when I told my my mom and dad at dinner basically like oh I got my period um my dad like couldn't stop laughing because that was apparently the day that the British um it was like the invasion of Normandy and he was <laughs> laughing because um Symbolically, it, it kind of fused together for him because I guess like the British had these red parachutes that they were <laughs> jumping down into France with, and he was just like, "This is hysterical! Like this is perfect." <laughs> <laughs> the day that you get your period. That's too funny. <laughs> um, also, looking at your work, um, I'm really interested in like your process. How you do you think about your message before, or do you think about the aesthetics of the image? Well, I would say like definitely aesthetics are very important to me. I think it's only been in the last few years, um, you know, two two years or so, that I've actually started thinking a lot more about um, sort of the message behind the work and how the sort of um, the tech, the the collage and layering can inform that. Um, and that's still something that I'm playing with and, and trying to resolve. Um, with myself and a lot of it is what I'm thinking about, like subconsciously and consciously. Um, like I said, like it's definitely a celebration of women. Um, there was a bit of a sense of humor in there. Definitely a lot of it is pussy power. <laughs> <laughs> you sort of touched on themes or points that you're thinking about subconsciously, but what other points do you want to explore in your work? I think more than ever, it's really important to <laughs> Kind of stand up and, and speak out, uh, take a look at what's happening um, socially and also very much politically. And I've I've been sitting with the series in my head that would be collaged. Um, the idea of like sacred feminine. Um, a lot of it comes from this book that I was reading called The Alphabet Versus the Goddess um, by Leonard Schlein. Um, and he basically hypothesized that um, the invention of the alphabet sort of like rewired our brains differently. Whereas like if you see before the um, monotheistic word-based religions, you know, when you look at the ancient Egyptians, um, sort of religion per se was very much based on uh, goddesses and the feminine and worshiping that and the, the female as the mother and the giver of life. Um, so women were held in much 
higher status as they they and and so what the hypothesis is that with the word based languages um the brain became a lot more right side dominant because that's the side that we need to use um in order to read um whereas and in the left side is a lot more about intuition and emotion and nurturing and etc um so because with the language we started to read and then the right side basically overpowered the left and then hence like you know then you see you see monotheistic religions where god is basically a man mm-hmm. this, this is all like you know a theory um it's and it's all you know it's just hypothesized but it, it was super fascinating to see like you know basically he he broke it down in different different eras and different religions and wow. you know looking at how women basically were treated um and and where we're at right now and how you know it's only been in the last 100 like less than 100 years that we've managed to you know kind of like secure our civil rights and vote and all these kind of things so coming back to it like um uh, after reading this book this idea started kind of um sort of turning in my head i want to create a series where i invite women in my life certain like you know friends and um just really power women or you know or any woman per se um to cre- to kind of like co-create with me this idea of like uh, a goddess so i want to i want to sort of create these collages with them as these archetypal goddesses but not based on any sort of archetypes that exist out there already but like you know what they how they would want to be seen and viewed and what sort of symbols um they would have or they would carry as a goddess like that's something that I really want to explore it's like yeah a, a series you know based on the sacred feminine and mm. and goddesses and I read um about your 2013 exhibit stripped mm-hmm. um you were quoted saying that it was an exploration of our obsession with temptation mm-hmm. and sexuality through the fertile ground of our imagination. Mhm. What inspired you? I was working on a project um a collage project and I was looking through all these magazines, these fashion magazines and then I stumbled upon a series of images where it's basically and and I used those images actually in in the in that body of work where it was like it was basically a grid of women on like satin sheets these models like naked mm-hmm. um and like i think in some in some senses like some people might look at it and be like oh that's sensual um but to me i was just really grossed out by it because it was just like it was literally like a grid you know like rows and rows of these beautiful m- models just on the same bed and just in various contorted um forms naked mm-hmm. um and so that kind of you know i ripped out those pages and i was like alright i'm going to think about them and i was like oh, and i and then i just started wondering what what would happen if i just cut out their bodies <laughs> from yeah. from that and layer layer something underneath um and yeah it just really it, it just really got me looking through those magazines you know fashion magazines to see how women were being depicted and you know i would say like 90% of all the um those images that i pulled out were made by men so it's very much coming back to the male gaze mm-hmm. and how and how women are being d- depicted um and yeah and, and i and i guess like i was just trying to play with that and be like okay if i 
if I remove those body parts, like does does the image still hold its its value as um, this like central image, or to me, it, it actually becomes a lot more playful and sexy when you don't see as much. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, less is more in that sense. Mm-hmm. And um, that series is very much about that and playing with that and kind of covering up the right parts um, and, and you know, and then kind of transforming those images. And it's kind of like a more of a peekaboo, you know, and mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and, and then you get people to start thinking about what's underneath. And I think that becomes in itself more sensual. Yeah. And and that was what Stripped was about, I think. You know, just kind of approaching it in that way and being like, well, we don't necessarily have to see everything for it to still be a very sexy image. Um, so let's play with that. Cool. Yeah. That actually makes me think about what you said, um, stripping away or not showing everything gives your gives the viewer, like... Um, a way of looking at it in a different way or also just expanding their mind Mm -hmm. and their imagination. There's an image you have of, it's like a circle. I forget if it's like a circle cut out around, but the inside the circle, it's just a woman biting either a petal. Mm -hmm. So you just see her lips and her teeth and what she's biting. And that image to me is very sexy or just not sexy, but sensual. Yeah. And intriguing. Yeah. Um, and makes you think of, like, a myriad of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, I think the imagination jumps in. Yeah. Right? And I think that that's that's kind of, like, how I, I like to approach my work. And, you know, I, I would love to push that a lot more. And, and it becomes a, a bit more surreal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And, like, I, you know, like, I, I think of Magritte and how he approached his work. Yeah. And, you know, that's, I would like to think that I'm working towards that in that same kind of like that same feeling. Um, He's definitely one of my big inspirations aesthetically as well as like, you know, ideologically. Um, Yeah, I just think that there's just so much more fun when, you know, you, you get to use your mind and use your imagination a bit. And it's not just for all to see like, oh, you know. (laughs) Um, tits and button, whatever else <laughs> in between. That kind of makes me think about porn and yeah. like how you can type in any specific thing you want to mm-hmm. see instantly. And in, that can be great too, especially yeah. if you're like, oh, I just want to get off. Um, it's instant gratification. Right. I would say, which yeah. is where, I mean, that's just our whole societal model at this point, right? Like... Do you I think have. that's just because of with like the internet or just as, in the 20th? Yeah, century? I mean, internet definitely has a huge part, like yeah. a major part to play in it. But you know, the idea of like, I can, I don't, I no longer have to like um, send you a letter to yeah. say hi. I can just text you, or I can order something on Amazon Prime and get it the next day. Yeah, and like sex and porn, I think definitely, um, and you know. And that's something I'm also dealing with in, in my own personal life. Like, you know, I started, I was exposed to porn at like 12 or 13. So I've, I've known it very intimately since then. Yeah. And I think it feeds into your, your intimate life as well. And I'm at a point now where I, I, I can pretty much, I can be okay if I walk away from it. 
I think it doesn't, yeah, it's just the whole instant gratification thing isn't necessarily, it's not, it's not necessarily a, that good a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, I think, yeah, I just got to draw the line at some, at some places. I'm okay with Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> I can still deal, deal with Amazon Prime. <laughs> Um, what was it like growing up? Well, I had a, I had a very happy childhood. Um, but I think when I hit my teenage years, um, and I started to become self-aware, I think first and foremost, like just physically, I was aware that I was quite different from everyone else. You know, I'm, I'm half white and, um, I grew up in Singapore and in a school environment that was pretty much predominantly Asian and Chinese mostly. So first and foremost, there was that layer of like identity that was like a little bit like definitely frustrating where it's just like, okay, like I don't, I don't look like everyone else. So by, by uh, translation, I don't feel like everyone else. Like I I feel different. Um, I mean, I, I never had, you know, I had, I had friends, definitely. I, I wasn't one of, you know, I wasn't a kid that didn't have any friends, like, very social. But, you know, as I got into my later teenage years, like, 15, 16, um, I started to realize that I didn't really necessarily, like, I didn't buy into this whole mindset. Um, I basically have always been very creative, and I, and I think that I was starting to, I was starting to realize that it seemed like in Singapore there was a bit of a, a streamlined path that most people take. Um, this notion of like success, um, financial success more than anything. And there are these avenues that you kind of have to go through in order to achieve so-called success. And I was becoming very disgruntled because just those things didn't appeal to me. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go to junior college because be another two years of grinding, like studies to do what? Like to be a lawyer? Like, you know, when you have a large percentage of people going into law and to finance mm-hmm. and not really like, and, and a very, only a very slim, slim section of people going into arts and, and creative fields, like I feel like there's something there that isn't quite um, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So definitely dealt with a lot of that frustration, um, you know, the idea of like, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to do these things, and I don't really see it. I see, it, I see things in a, in a bit of a different perspective, and you know, self-expression is super important, and like the ability to self-express as a teenager, I think, is highly important as well when you're you're struggling with ideas of identity and belonging and who you are and where your life is headed to. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, you know, I, ha- I have parents who are very open-minded and, um, you know, very, were very and still are very supportive of me, even though they didn't understand why I was getting all upset and angsty and <laughs> leave me alone. You don't understand me. Yeah. Um, you know, and my mom was like, you know, you, sh- you, should, you should go, like, study some media course, you know, and, like, and so I, I did three years, um, an associate's degree. Well, in Singapore, they call it a, a, a diploma, where you basically go to a trade school and you do a variety of things. And, you know, and then finally, um, that's when photography kind of um, stuck with me. 
like, you know, we did a black and white photo class and we would develop and print our own pictures in the, in the dark room. And that, yeah. yeah. And that really, um, that really fascinated me. I mean, everything was super exciting, you know, from writing to graphic design. And we also did radio and TV. So, you know, we, we got the whole spectrum, but I think, you know, photography in some ways really stuck. And I think it also helped that at that time I was friends with, you know, kids from another art school and they were all doing fashion design and, you know, and, and um, fashion photography, starting to do fashion photography. So that really took a hold on me, especially the idea of like identities. Because when you look in the magazines, you know, the one, one of the things I do enjoy, I still enjoy about fashion images is like this like ever morphing identity. Right, like right? transformation. Transformation, yeah. exactly. And that, I think, that really st stuck to me. More than the clothes and the luxury, it's just the idea of, like, yeah, transforming yeah. and, um, you know, becoming these different characters. And that has still stuck to me till this day, and, and that's kind of what I take to my work. Uh, was your family open about talking about sex? Um, yes and no. <laughs> Uh, my, well, my mom's Asian, mm -hmm. so that was pretty much like, I don't think we ever, we've ever talked, well, maybe once or twice, um, but she's never shared anything about herself to me. Yeah. Um, one of the funny things I remember my dad saying, my dad, my dad's European and he's French, so I think he was a lot more blasé about it. Um, but I remember, I, how old was I? I might, might have been 17. I had a serious boyfriend at that point, and, and he said to me, I think very casually over... A meal. He was like, "Well, I don't. I wouldn't assume that you're a virgin." Um, <laughs> at this point, I want to assume that you're a virgin, which he, he might or might not have been right. But uh, he's like, "One piece of advice I can give you is that please have sex with your future husband before you get married." <laughs> wow, that, that was it. <laughs> Please, please have sex with your future, like, long-term partner or, or at least, you know, try it out. That's so funny to have told you that at 17, that, like, sex is important in a relationship. Yeah. Especially long-term relationship. Yeah, he was hinting at that. I don't know what, how that came up, but that, wow. that has always stuck with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I made you proud, Dad. <laughs> um... Had you been to the U.S. before moving here? No, I hadn't. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So it was always a kind of uh, a bit of a dream mm -hmm. um, to me to, to move to New York, especially. Um, you know, in Singapore, we have a huge um, American media diet. So we get all the movies and all the TV shows. A lot of the TV shows that we watch are all American TV shows. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, from a pretty young age, I, I already kind of felt connected to, you know, that. America, or I would say more New York than anything, um, simply because of I, I've been, you know, like watching and all these like movies and everything. So I had an idea, and then um, this is so silly, and I and I and I'm pretty sure if I watched it now, I'd be like, oh my god, how how could I ever even have like um, thought that this was a favorite movie of mine. Um, there's a movie with Michael Cera and Kat Dennings, and it's called Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Oh yeah, yeah, I it's a really like yeah, that. it's a teenage like right. love cutesy thing, and yeah. but basically, you know, they they they're very much into the indie music scene, right. and they spend one night 
chasing this band that likes to leave clues um, around the city mm-hmm. to like a secret show. Yeah, I remember that. And it's all set in New York. It's all set in New York. Yeah. yeah. And I remember watching it and being like, damn, like, I want to chase a really cool <laughs> underground indie amazing band around, like, following these clues like a treasure hunt. Right. Um, so that really inspired me. And I think, like, you know, and, and at that point, I was also, you know, starting to realize that I really wanted to pursue photography seriously. And, you know, if not to be a fashion photographer, at least just go to art school and really really get get an art education. I mean, we, we did have, we did, you know, do art in school, but it was never kind of taken seriously. It was always just this extracurricular activity. And right. yeah, you know, at some point I was just like, you know what, I really kind of want to, I want to be an art student. I, I want to see what that's about. And I, and I felt within myself, like this energy, um, kind of this, I think it was like this, like creative energy that was kind of at that point still very, um, uh, trapped, not trapped, but you know, it was, it was within me and it needed to come out somehow. And like, it sounds like you found your creative base, your creative home here. Um, what was it like, what was different about being in Singapore, especially when you were Mm -hmm. studying communications and working with photography? What was it the people or was it a feeling? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, It'd be really interesting for me now to like go back and maybe form a new sort of relationship with Singapore in terms of art making. Um, but I think definitely it was, well, I think it had never occurred to me that I could make art and maybe be taken seriously about it. Um, and also like, I think I hadn't really tried that hard to, to, to make something different, something unique outside of like, shooting fashion images, which, um, which was a gateway, I would say. Um, and yeah, I think it was really just a freedom to explore and express. And also like the being, being like, you know, having access to like people and like really great faculty of artists and um, people who work in industry at SVA, you know, access to equipment, access, you know, to a variety of things. You know, there's a huge collaborative force here. Like collaboration really drives so much in the city, especially in the artistic, you know, uh, industries. And I think it was just having access to that. It's not saying that I did not have access to that whilst in Singapore, but it just, I think it's just, it was just a different state of mind. And I was just, you know, living alone for the first time without my parents and just, you know, kind of getting that sense of freedom and independence and, you know, just kind of filtered. And and when I look at, like, when I look back at, like, the sort of artistic trajectory, it's like, you can see, like, when I first moved here the first couple years, three, four years, like, the work is very much um, collage-based, but very kind of crazy (laughs) (laughs) like not at all what you see now on on the website and everything you know that's very much curated and only in the last two or three years where everything the color palette and sort of the minimalistic approach and um, the cleanness of everything is much more recent and I think it's very much reflective of my state of mind so it's kind of a digression Mm -hmm. um uh, since you worked in fashion, still mm-hmm. kind of work in fashion, um, oftentimes the fashion industry doesn't portray all bodies 
or diversity in their imagery, mm -hmm. what do you think can inspire a shift? I think that, I think it's happening. Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, you know, I feel like enough noise has been made to kind of point it out. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot that can be, a lot more that can be done um, in order to just stop, not just having these specific arch archetypes, you know, like the leggy, skinny uh, BMI of 15, I don't know, yeah. um, models. It's, it's difficult though, because, um, you know, at the end of the day, like that's kind of how we've, the our current state of society has been constructed, right? To see yeah. that as our ideals, um, but I do think that I, I feel like um, media companies are sort of in some ways like being a lot more, um, being held more accountable for that. Um, I think it's slow and steady, but I feel like it's happening. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're going to, through a teething stage right now. And, but I, I do, I do feel like I, I see some more, rep, more types of representation, you know, in like different body sizes and different sorts of ethnicities. Yeah. Um, definitely more work has to be done. I feel it's also just like um, women and not feeding into that and being smart about where you put your attention yeah. to and, you know, focusing on, companies and media companies that do a good job of, you know, a variety of representation. I mean, I think, you know, Refinery29, yeah. I mean, it's not Vogue, but it's a big company, yeah. you know, that has a lot of attention. And, you know, I think they're really trying to push it and really try to, you know, get the spectrum there. And I think it's, it's it, when you see how many people are following it and who's like, paying attention to their their content then it, it kind of shows yeah you know i think what was that really so much research has been done but you know most women if they're looking at a beauty magazine and like you know a fashion magazine they don't feel any better no reading it in yeah. fact they feel worse about mm -hmm. themselves and their self-esteem i think just focusing your attention to positive things yeah. and positive reinforcements yeah um so my last few questions sure. So you had patches made of artist Christopher David Ryan's design. Yes. Pussies Against Trump. Yes. What is art's purpose in this new presidency? In times of tyranny, I think it's art is more important than ever to make a stand. Um, I think it has to be a safe space for people to express. Like when you look at, yeah, like when you look at, when you study history and um, the course of history, like the first things to go is artistic expression, yeah. and um, I yeah I just I just think now more than ever like artists should use their voices to to make a noise to say something to make a stand and you know like it's it's kind of crazy what <laughs> what's happening I think we're just watching this horror show yeah. unfold. Um, and you know our, the the new the new guy coming in, he's Trump. <laughs> Let's just yeah. call him by his name. You know he's he's very vocal about you know not you know about how he doesn't agree with opposing views, yeah. and especially with art, you know artistic depictions of him. And you know, and the moment those things get taken away from us, that's when we know we're going, we're headed into a really bad space. So, um, yeah, I think, 
you know, especially for women and, you know, people of color as well as like the LGBT community, it's like, you know, art is definitely a way to express in a, in a positive way, you know, that's safe and it, it, it should be a sacred space. Yeah. So we should strive for that Very to remain cool. as so, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and my final question mm-hmm. is, this is a question I've asked um, most of my guests this season, and it is, why is sexual pleasure important? Because it's liberating. It's natural. Um, it is fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it just, um, it makes you very in touch with yourself. Um, and I think it's sexual pleasure with yourself is self-care with someone else it's giving and generosity and I think it's like yeah I'm all for it <laughs> yeah very cool yeah well thank you of course it's been a great this was chat fun. really yeah. fun I don't want it to end <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening you can see May's work at maylynlagoff.com Thank you, May, and special thanks to our content editor, Annalise Jeske, and our audio engineer, Matt Leibowitz. Our theme music is by Silent Retreat.